This is Grey Matter, a horror movie podcast where me and a guest explore theories of a horror movie they have selected. If it's wrong, does it really matter? I'm your host, Grey, and tonight I'm joined by... It's Cat Daddy. Hey, y'all. How's it going? How are you doing tonight or today? You know, I'm here. I'm surviving. I'm alive. I'm really excited. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I just got back to Virginia. I braved the COVID airports to go see my parents. Oh, am... yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a crazy experience. However, I guess for as much as crazy or not crazy, that's not the right word. As much as I expected to be like Wild Wild West in the airport, it really wasn't mm-hmm. like that. I didn't see any anti-opinion uh, people. Everyone wore their little mask and face shield if they had them, and it wasn't that bad. Came back, passed the COVID test, so I'm feeling pretty okay. good. Okay, listen, because I would have been shook. I think about airplanes. I'm like, I'm gonna get out of here. And I'm like, no, I can't do it. Were you stressed on the airplane? Like, did you like, oh my god, did you fall asleep with your mask on? Uh, the first flight, I had a connecting flight, so mm-hmm. the first flight, yes, because I left at like whatever, ass o'clock in the morning. Uh, the second flight, I was wide awake because I kept watching the dude next to me because he was like extra fidgety. Mm-mm. And it's so weird, like how you normally or before this situation judge people on airplane. But it's just like something as simple as a nose rub. It's like, did he cough? <laughs> did he cough? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm ready to ring the little flight attendant button. <laughs> like, I need a new seat. Please. Like, you have your hand up just real quick. Like, uh, mm. yeah. Uh, on the way back, it was much more soothing. It was a direct flight. I had a, um, a war or vet sitting next to me, and he was on his way to reunite with his mother, or excuse me, the mother of his child. Oh, okay, <laughs> uh, that's nice. They were like, they've been stuck in, I forget the country, but somewhere in Europe. Oh. So he hasn't seen them since the beginning of the pandemic. So it was like... That was a pretty cool story. He kept his mask on while talking to me, so I appreciated that. But I kind of was like, this is not the time to talk, dude, even though I know you're really excited because you've been separated from your family. Um, mm-hmm. So I get it because the same reason I'm on a plane, I wanted to go see my family. Um, but not, you know, it's fine. Glad you I'm know. back. Uh, we'll get a shot whenever it's our turn. Yes. I don't know. I talked about myself in the plural, but. That's <laughs> Just go with it. Okay, so I don't actually know what order these episodes will be coming out. However, uh, I think it's just time to get into an icebreaker. I don't want to walk down with conversation that might not be relevant by the time someone hears this. Um, Basically, what's going to happen, I'm just going to ask you a series of questions. Uh, Some of them may be faster or not. (laughs) I don't know yet. Just... Whatever the first thought that comes to your mind, it's not any trick questions. It's not uh, anything too hard. There's one that could be considered trivia, but I have an inkling you know the answer or it's going to be on the tip of your tongue regardless. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First one's easy. Last horror movie you saw in the theater. Oh. Um, I think it would be Midsummer. That's not a bad movie to go out on. No, no. Now, the whole, like, okay. So, I enjoyed the movie. I don't know if I've talked to you about this before. I enjoyed the movie. The movie theater experience was lovely. I just felt like it was really long. Um, and I may or may not have been inebriated. So, I was getting <laughs> sleepy. <laughs> and I was on a date. And I was just like, girl, this is... What time is this movie going off? Like, <laughs> like I'm into the story, but I'm also like, girl, I'm tired. Like... <laughs> I can I can relate to that a little bit because I saw it as well. And, you know, the movie is so vibrant and colorful. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, mm, it is going a little bit long. I got to go to the bathroom. And then, like, I was, it kind of fucked with me psychologically because I walked out and expected it to be, like, a bright summer day. And it was definitely, like, 10 o'clock at night in the winter. Oh. So it's like I completely got immersed in the film and forgot what real life was supposed to be. It was equally disappointing when I left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, I did just get the uh, director's cut, so oh, I, saw. I don't know. I'm so jealous. 
I just I, wanted you to know. It took three months. I ordered it, or four months. I ordered it whenever uh, I saw it on the internet, and it mm-hmm. just now came. Actually, Ooh. real time today, I just got my Friday the 13th Screen Factory replacement disc, uh, which were mailed before Thanksgiving. Wow. And you, wow. I was just like, all right, that's nice. You know what? The postal people got def- their their money got taken away from them. So you know they're trying their best. Like I, there's literally a package that has been sitting, um, in Hyattsville since the twenty second, and it still says it's on the way. And I'm just like, um, I don't understand when <laughs> it should have to go like literally ten minutes across the line. Where it's got to go? That <laughs> I completely understand. I've been. You know the um, November horror pack. Mm-hmm. I got a, a review uh, kit. It is still in the mail. It's sitting in DC. It's been sitting in DC since December fourth, which negates November altogether. And at what? this point, it doesn't even matter if it comes. But um, it's there. I wish they would be like, "Hey, you want to come pick this up?" <laughs> you could you could call them if you didn't know because I do it all the time. Oh um, no, I did not. Yes, you can call them. You call USPS and you ba- like basically you just tell them, hey, this is what I'm looking, you know, I'm looking for this. Um, is it possible for me to get in contact with the, you know, the place, the, the holding place that has it? And then you could ask them if they could um, if they can find like give you an update or if you could possibly pick it up. I am writing this shit down right now. Listen, I've done it with the one that was close to my old apartment. Um, and they had to give me an offer, like, you know, you can come pick it up or we can kind of like time it with the mailman, but you got to call early. Like that, that girl told me to call early, like five, six o'clock. But then the person was like, you really not supposed to call this early cause we about to do our routes. <laughs> and I'm just like, listen, but I just dropped it. You know, that's for you. Just to let you know, I'll be jugging and finessing through the customer service lines. I first call tomorrow morning. I bet there you, you it is. Cause I mean, at this point it don't matter cause November is long gone. Uh, but it's principle at this point. Yeah, but still. All right, moving on. I know we've discussed this before on mm-hmm. uh, the other channel, but for people who haven't heard the Killer Dead podcast, what movie do you first remember seeing? And was it uh, VHS, DVD, or a movie theater? Um, it would have to be TV, and I believe it was A Nightmare on Elm Street. I cannot remember uh- how, but my mom showed me. I had a feeling it may have been Freddy related because mm-hmm. of our previous conversations. Next question. Yes. Pick you can pick the movie, and then I just want to know which one do you prefer, the original or the remake? Okay. Oh boy. Last house on the left. Uh 74 or oh wait. I don't think I have those years right. 72. I think that's I don't have my phone on me. You gotta do the Googles. <laughs> Let's just say seventies. Uh, ooh, I would say the original, because um, you know I I saw the remake and then I kind of was just like, mm, this is this is this is not it. Um, and also, all of this is very stressful and triggering. Um, so there's that. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I I prefer Last House on the Left, the original or OG. However, I don't really watch it. <laughs> Uh, right. I don't own it, but there's been few occasions where it's come up again, and I did watch the remake, and I don't really think... I feel like if you're going to do the movie, don't hold back. Right. But I'm not sure if we actually needed the remake either, like in this case. You know what's really crazy? I'm sitting here trying to figure out why I picked the most... <laughs> One of the most shakiest movies <laughs> Ooh, I'm sorry. No, that's the f- best part of the questions. <laughs> um, okay, what decade of horror do you tend to gravitate to? Um, mostly 70s horror. Um, see, which also is really shaky because I should have known that year. But mostly 70s horror. I like the grittiness and the rawness in the movies. Um, I like the fact that people are basically starting with absolutely nothing like a lot of these but these movies did not have the best budget like of course you had your blockbusters like jaw and all that other fun things but these people weren't they didn't have the budgets was looking like skittles 
So how how are yeah. they going to pay for these movies? Um, you had a lot of um, practical effects, the makeup. It was just. It's people who are hungry and raw, and this is kind of like the first time this is happening in history. I have, like, lots of air quotes making it fancy. Um, But it's, like, the first time, right? So you're seeing something, like, in its baby steps. And, of course, the genre grew from that. These movies inspired other movies. They were remade years later. Um, And, of course, you have, like, Blaxploitation and that whole Shabop Shaboop. Like, I stand. Uh, you know, I never thought about it. I don't I don't naturally gravitate towards the 70, but when you said practical effects, there is something to that. Like I love uh practical effects, even getting into the movie we're going to eventually get to. Mm-hmm. Like watching the CGI in that, I was kind of like, I know that this was trending at the time, mm-hmm. but I really do think practical effects just allows people to be more creative. Yes. And then you're just how did they get that shot? Like Discovering the magic or, you know, there wasn't behind the scenes back in the 70s uh, too much. But <laughs> I would be interested. Like, I've never watched the Jaws documentary. I know uh, Devin has talked about it forever. He's a big Ooh. Jaws fan in general, the whole franchise. Uh, he led me to find out that there was even a part four, which I had never knew, starring Mario Van Peebles and his father. <laughs> what? Oh, I'm going to watch that. I own it because I ordered it on accident and I still haven't watched it yet. Wait. <laughs> ordered it on accident? How does that happen? I thought I was uh, getting the original Jaws because we covered mm-hmm. it on the Kill Dead podcast. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't pay attention when I was clicking. So I just put in an Amazon cart. It came. And then I opened it up and I was just like, I think I got a weird fake disc and I like I showed them and I, Devin's like no that's that's a movie and he educated oh. me on it I was like I would have never known that that's why I didn't catch uh, me off guard when I ordered it because I didn't know it existed to be like this isn't right okay uh, but you know if you have extra time <laughs> I don't know I'm not going to recommend it because I don't know if it's good or if it's trash some things oh. I watch just because it's trash like uh like okay go on i'm sorry would i find this movie on like the sci-fi channel or something i'm sure okay i'm sure it's been on sci-fi channel okay and then i'm interested maybe in the infancy of the channel because this is definitely the 90s or late 80s but yes uh devin actually just recommended the uh reefer madness the musical which I didn't know was a thing, starring uh, Nev Campbell and her real life brother. So that's a project for this weekend. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm going to write that down so it can secretly be my project too. (laughs) 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 I'm really doing this madness. I can't believe this is a musical. I, I, I completely missed it. It came out like 05 or 06. It was never on my radar. Uh, and it happened, and people were able to move on with their careers afterwards. Why? How did I miss this? Okay, well, I'm here now. We're here now. I've now tagged myself on. I've now made this my assignment. Uh, You know, while we're in the ballpark, let's just... Better question. Nancy Thompson or Sidney Prescott? Hmm. Sidney Prescott? Sydney Prescott. Yeah. Uh, I'm not mad at that. Uh, I yeah. tend to... I don't know. I feel like Nancy never got a chance to be a true badass. Right. So... You can't see my face. My eyes are very squinty. <laughs> so I want you to know like, how hard I'm thinking. I'm like, okay. Nancy's life was definitely cut short, but like, yeah, we got Sydney. to grow with Sydney. Sydney, high school, right. career, uh, family reunion. If those are the steps she went, right. Nancy went from teenager to guidance counselor. I forget what her title is, and essentially, essentially, 
I didn't yeah. even know they really just hired her. I thought she was really just honest. It, they gave me the vibe like she was coming in asking questions and then she just, you know, just so happened to work here now. And I was like, oh, okay. Which also would never fly nowadays. An adult <laughs> coming in and be like, I'm just going to talk and hang out with these kids and I got no certifications. <laughs> but you know, the 80s and the 90s was wild. Like, so I just, anything's liable to happen. So I believe it. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have known what uh, the original plan was because also uh, Heather Lakenkamp was the same age as her co-stars. So she's playing an adult and they're playing teenagers, which in the 80s is hard to tell the difference, but they knew. Right. Yeah, you know. I look at some of the things in the 90s and I was like, teenagers didn't wear this. They look like 30-year-old adults. In some cases, they were. Yeah. You know, people got to get their money, but I understand, especially when you look back at it, you're just like, how how are y'all getting away with this? Like, you, Right. Uh, I forget what her age was at the time, but the, the oldest person on 90210 was like legit old and mm. she was still playing high school teenager. Good on her for getting casted and doing whatever you got to do, but um, I don't know, because I don't know what's worse. Now watching, like watching Sleepaway Camp Two, I believe, where there's uh, teenage nudity. I mean, they're of age. Mm, mm-hmm. But, like, you forget in the movies, like, hey, there's underage kids. Like, why is there, a, you know, even a mooning scene? Yeah. In any movie. Uh, versus now, where we have closer to age-appropriate kids to where they don't even do that stuff anymore, for obvious reasons. Uh, so it's amazing to see how much has just changed of people using common sense. Yes. I'm glad people became more self-aware, or someone did, uh, or maybe you know they was just getting tired of people hitting their pockets, so you know they was taking precautions. You know, maybe true, all of the above. Um, because you're right. I be I look back on these movies and I'm just kind of like, this is crazy. Like, why is why are we watching teenagers? Not even you know what? A recent thing that does that that I recently was sitting here like, okay, these are supposed to be teenagers, right? I revisited. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, you know, because the new season is out. So I just wanted to start from the beginning so I uh-huh. could just, you know, marathon the whole thing. And, you know, there's a lot of scenes where the girls are down to their, like, you know, their underclothes and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yes, girl, live your life. But this is a lot. Like, why are we watching these teenagers doing this shit? What the, can we, why is this so detailed? I thought about that. And then I was just like, I guess... In real life, the show isn't meant for me, right? A complete adult watching a teenage drama. So the target audience, I get that it's not that risque or provocative. It's just what they would do. Um, But when you think about the whole, even parents sitting down with their kids. It's like, what are you watching? Why is that girl undressing? Why are these boys in the locker room the whole time in their jock straps? I mean. I mean, it's happening. I'm just also yeah. like, child, this scene is going off for way too long. <laughs> like, let's let's skip forward. But also, you know, maybe I'm old now. I don't know. No, I mean, I even said that the first time, not the first time, but maybe like the second time I watched Carrie, the original. Oh, yeah. I was just like, she's a teenager getting her, you know, monthly for the first time. And she's being ostracized. But I was like, this scene is going a bit long. We yeah. get it. Yeah. I do like how they did it in the more, um, I think it's the one with, what's her name? Zoe or Chloe Moretz. Chloe, I'm so Grace sorry. Moretz. Yes, I ruined her name. I apologize. Um, but they they still were trying to show what was going on, but it was um, it was appropriate. You feel me? Like, yes. I get the yeah. message, but, you know, we don't, and I know it's also the 70s. <laughs> so, you know, these people wilding. Um, and it's just, I, I get it, but we, we could do without it, y'all. Uh, precisely. I, I, no shame to anyone that did anything during those. Oh, absolutely not. Acceptable. I mean, even looking at the slumber party massacre, uh, I know the first two films were directed by women. So it's like even female directors or screenwriters at the time were still exploiting the same things. It wasn't necessarily pervy men minus Harvey Weinstein. He's a piece of shit. No, he's Uh, trash. But other people is just like culturally it was acceptable and now it's not yeah okay final question yes and we'll move on all right slasher paranormal body horror physiological or horror comedy okay 
This is tough. Pending my move, damn, this is all pending my move. It's a tie between slasher and paranormal. Because then it's like, you know, a toss-up for my mood. I love slashers. They're fun as fuck. Uh, but I also really love paranormal movies. It's something about a ghost ruining somebody's day that just really sends me. And then they also, like, you know, tells you cautionary tales. They both do. Um, mm-hmm. Don't, you know, get the Ouija boards out your house. Stop calling on the dead. Don't play no games. You know, mind your business. Um, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. So, you know, boop. Uh, you know, that I never thought about it as far as a mood. I would say, um, you know, paranormal or hauntings, I only watch them when I know I want to pay attention. Okay. A slasher, I can put on any time of the day and it doesn't bother me. Um, whether, you know, if I miss a scene or something, it's not going to be pertinent ever. Right. It's like, oh, did she get stabbed in the head? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, paranormal is different that way because it's kind of building a narrative of either the lore, like you said, and or um, events building to lead to something else. Right. I know this was an option. I prefer isolation films. Uh, all these things can fall into that category, but like uh, Cube is one of my favorite all-time films. Cabin in the Woods, uh, anything Evil Dead, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they all they're different, three different genres, but you know. I and I really don't like dystopia films. Actually, like I said, yeah. Cube, and I don't know why it's one of my favorites, but it is. Um, just like what was that earlier this year? Last year, there was a Netflix show movie um, and it's like uh they go up and down like 300 levels the platform i have not seen the platform yet oh well then oh, i, I know. won't say much more yes, i thoroughly I... enjoyed it but it's mostly because it's isolation okay i've heard about what happens i allowed someone to give me like a sentence or two about it um but i'm really excited to tune in you know, you know how it goes. You just you have movies that you you want to watch, and then movies that you're like watching, and it's like everything is piling up. Yep, that, that's <laughs> how it always is. Because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put that on my list, but I'm still gonna watch ten other movies <laughs> before I get to this. Um, it's a inevitable thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, so we'll get to the main event. As always, our guest, my guest, uh, picks the movie. So, Kat, you want to tell everyone what you picked? I have chosen, everybody, Drag Me to Hell, directed by Sam Raimi. It came out in 2009. It did, and I only now know that because something was bothering me. I rewatched this uh, Mm -hmm. Sunday or something, and I noticed that the Delta... You know, uh, Sam Raimi's car that he's put in every film. He's, I think it's 88 Delta or -hmm. Delta 88. I forget how it goes. Um, You know, one of those. I noticed that the license plate said 99915. And I was just like, that is so weird. Because if you flip it upside down, it's definitely 666. And I was like, the devil's in this film. And then I was just like, well, if I invert the 51, what does that mean? And then, you know, some IMDb later. Okay. Sam was 51 when he made this film. So I'm I'm making that up, but I assume that that's what the license plate is. <laughs> to the movie uh, and his age at the time he made this film. You might be on to something. I want you but to I, know my mind just went... But, I mean, that's just three days fresh. That is not... <laughs> Uh, it could mean something else. It could be a reference to a verse or something hanging in the Evil Dead uh, realm or something like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And to be quite honest, I did not catch that. And now I'm going to get even closer for the umpteen thousand time I've seen this movie and try to catch it. Yeah, I mean, this watch through, I was just trying to pay attention to stuff I don't normally ever look at. And mm-hmm. it will come full circle in a little bit. Because there was something that I uh, definitely came up with, and it was inspired by this recent viewing. Um, But for those of you who don't know, a rough synopsis of the film is uh, it focuses on a bank 
a banker. No, she doesn't want to be called that because that was a <laughs> contingent point. Um, she's like a loan officer or mortgage officer, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, her name's Christine Brown, played by Allison Lohman. Uh, she's trying to get the promotion of assistant manager by edging out like her dickhead coworker that's been there like a week or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And we meet Miss Ganoush. I could be saying that wrong already, and I just watched this. It's Ganesh. Mrs. G- Mrs. Ganoush. Okay, like the, it like made like a SKH kind of situation when they said it. If that makes sense. No, it does. I knew okay. that I would mess it up. That's some, okay. Some, something that would be smarter is me right out phonetically. And anyone that's listening to me on Kill the Dead knows I butcher everyone's name. It just isn't a thing that's ever going to be right with me. And we I'm okay with that. We're trying our best. We're trying our best. <laughs> um, so Christine has, um, or I'm sorry, Mrs. Ganesh, Ganesh is meeting with Christine to try and save her house is being declared or taken by the bank the day of. Uh, Christine has a choice of personally deciding whether she will let her keep her house or if she will not let her keep her house to make an impression on her boss. She chooses the latter and Ganush places a curse on Christine that after three days of torment uh, she will be taken to the depths of hell to burn for all of eternity. It's <laughs> the basic plot of this film. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I remember when this film came out. It it I I know it wasn't met with a warm reception. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have forgot uh, the way Sam Raimi directs, and were maybe expecting something. Too much in line with Spider-Man, which he was yep. more so famous for at that time, and not going back to his Evil Dead roots. I'm not sure right. if you want me to say it like that, but his original style. Let's right. say that. <clears throat> for me, I never got to see it in theaters. I was just, you know, not. I don't know where my finances were at that, that time, but it did not happen. <laughs> I did see it like later on HBO. I remember. And I thought it was a good film. Like, there was nothing that I found egregious about it. I love the gore. Or, I'm sorry, I lied. As I (laughs) uh, mentioned a second ago, the CGI was a bit over the top. I get why it had to, um, or they had to go for it just because of the stuff they were doing. I don't know how you would have done practical other than, like, just silly-ass dummies made up. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But I don't mean silly ass. People work hard on those things, even if they do look bad. A job's a job. <laughs> I mean, they did have like some dummies, and I don't, I don't even know if that's one hundred percent practical effects. Anyways, um, I don't want to jump ahead, but it's a scene later in the movie uh, where something falls to the ground. For I'm still, are we, are we doing spoiler? I didn't want to spoil it. No, you can. I should. Uh, you know what? I'll work on the intro. <laughs> That's fine. That's you can fine. spoil anything. Okay, great. Um, jumping ahead really quick, just put a peg in this. Uh, when Mrs. Gadush hits the floor, um, and it's clearly like a like a dummy body situation, and all the like whatever is left. I'm assuming it's embalming fluid or whatever. Oh, whatever. you're talking about at the wake? Yes, and pours okay. out her. I'm like, I wish that was like. I felt like it was real, but then I looked and I was like, her face looks right. I don't know. They tricked me. So, <sighs> but I feel you. Uh, you're right. I do think uh, there there was more like satirical practical effects. Yeah, uh, would be I guess a, a polite way of saying that because it did look bad, but I, I want to believe that it was supposed to look bad on purpose. Well, yeah, because there was a part where it, it, there's a part in the movie where it gets kind of slapstick-ish. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't horrible because I, I rewatched it just like today just because... And I found myself cackling at, for like two seconds and then I stopped and we all know I don't really laugh. Um, although I've laughed like a thousand times, but just believe it or not, I don't know. That was weird, <laughs> just let you know. So, but, um, but like usually watching movies, right, it... I don't usually prefer it to be like, I like my comedy separate. 
Um, I do know that every once in a while we need some comedic relief, and that's okay to release some of the tension that the movie is giving out. Just so, you know, relax your shoulders. Um, But I was chuckling, and then I felt like it went on for too long. Um, And the scene I'm referring to is the final seance scene um, when the assistant gets possessed. And he's literally doing, like, a line dance above the fire. And I'm like, what is this? (laughs) Y'all didn't have to do this. (laughs) You know what? And the the goat makes me laugh every time. So I'm right there with you. (laughs) Uh, It just, I don't know why. Because I know it's coming. I know it's silly. Uh, But, you know, in those moments, it's... For me, when it most reminds me of Army of Darkness 3, or that style. Right. Mm, I said Army of Darkness 3. Army of Darkness. Yes, Army of Darkness. But even like with Evil Dead, because they kind of give that in Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Even even though Evil Dead was like extremely serious and Evil Dead 2, you know, you know. Uh, But you could clearly see that. Um, like you were saying, that he was going going back to his original style. Like you could see all his previous work and, and everything all throughout this movie, and it's so fun and it's enjoyable. Um, even down to like the way certain scenes are shot, like a lot of like quick close ups, sideways slanted, um, like close ups on the face, kind of very reminiscent mm-hmm. to things you saw in Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead, like Ash going through these situations and the camera just. <sighs> coming across the room into his face. And you can tell when you're watching it. But, you know, I'm going to get off my soapbox. Just going to stand <laughs> over here. I mean, I I 100% agree with you. I think mm-hmm. that if you are a fan or always have been a fan of Sam Raimi and weren't just, a, let's say, period fan between 2002-ish when Spider-Man started yeah. and probably 08 to 10 when Spider-Man ended, uh, I might have that wrong, but whatever. You guys can That's Google fine. it. I, you know, I'm not mad at it. I think, especially watching it today, I can't tell you the last time I watched it. Uh, but watching it, you know, a week ago or three or four days ago, I was like, this movie is still good. I still watch Darkman. He wrote that. I love that film. And it's good. I watched it today and I was nervous. Like, I was literally sitting here like, ooh, am I nervous? And what's crazy is, <laughs> No, but really, I was just like, am I nervous? And then in the scene, the music wasn't even something that was, like, changing my mood at the time. It was a completely silent scene. Um, and then, of course, there's, like, noises because the girl is being tormented. Um, but I was literally sitting on my bed like, oh, girl, I'm a little shook. And what's crazier is I I don't really like PG-13 horror. Even when I was True. a 13-year-old. Like, I'm kind of just like, I already kind of know what you're going to throw at me. So I've all I saw this in the theaters. Um, so I volunteer I voluntarily decided to pull up on a PG thirteen movie, and I was satisfied. Like like everything you said, the CGI was over the top. Like you, people just, mm? I think you just made me realize something, or I don't think mm. you just totally made me realize something. Okay, I think that that's why we get the slapstickness. Because if you're going for a PG thirteen rating or any rating that's not R. There are sacrifices. Mm-hmm. So it's like embalming fluid instead of blood. You can't, there's nothing against embalming fluid as far as I know. So you can probably show that all as much as you want. Just like in any other horror movie, when you don't have red blood, it's whatever color. It's because they're trying to get a, not an R rating, essentially. Right. Um, so maybe the over the top effects were to compensate to not get this pegged as a rated R movie. And that way, Spider-Man fans could still watch it because they would still be kids. So well, you know, yeah. And then the real thing is, what I also liked about this movie, and I was thinking about this again, re-watching it, um, I like that the ending is bleak. <laughs> like, they really set you up and think that she was going to get away from this demon. And no, no, no. Just like we already know, the entity is about to come back and beat your ass. You thought you got away, and you got drugged to hell. I was sad for the little boy in the beginning of the movie who got drugged to hell. Like, I didn't think he deserved... I don't really think she deserved to get the curse either, but I really didn't think he deserved to get the curse for stealing the necklace. Like, I thought that was just a little bit too much. Like, maybe they just poor. You know, I get it. Like, that was her prized possession. But, like, to hell, like, he's a kid. He's doing kid shit. 
Yeah, I agree. I guess we I did not mention this at all, but you uh you're referring to the opening scene in which the Hispanic couple is going to Ah, yes, uh, I should have said that. The I don't know what to call her. Uh, maybe she's a witch. Um cuz um, I thought it was strange that there seems to be elements of Santeria. However, it, they're fighting gypsies, which are two different um religions or way of life. So I don't know how they can fight each other. You but know. then the clairvoyant man was probably some form of Asian as well. So diverse, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if that all... Or maybe that's why the movie didn't work as far you, as like her ending. Like, honestly, on that point, you're going to have to literally close your eyes and suspend your disbelief <laughs> because... Yeah. Like you're and later in the movie, Ron was it Ram Jazz? I apologize if I ruined this character's name. Um, he later says to uh, Christine, because Christine is like, "Woo, yes, I we did it. It feels so good." Like she is celebrating, and he is just like, "Girl, what are you talking about? She is a medium. Like she cannot. Like I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. She is the most interactive medium that I have ever seen on screen in a long time. Like how is she?" Mm-hmm. How is she like she knows she knows spells, she knows like she's going deep. Now there's one thing to like open a circle and close a circle. And I know my knowledge of like that type of world only goes so far. But the way it was portrayed in the movie, like they made it seem like, you know, she was doing some other and additional practices, like you said, like was she doing Santeria? Is she Bruhira? Like what what is, you know, what's what's going on here? But close your eyes, girl, and just suspend your disbelief. <laughs> Let yeah, the chance fly. Yeah. Has to be. Um, so I guess we'll get over to disbelief portion of this. Okay. Uh, first, I'll start with the easy thing because it's been out there for a while. Are you aware that this film is supposed to be a representation or a metaphor for eating disorders? Yes, but I, I'm trying to figure out, like, I'm. it's kind of like I'm walking with you, but y'all lost me. Because in the end, she gets drugged to hell. So did she just vanish? Like, am I, is, am I getting too, like, literal at this point? Like, because I can, I was, I spent time watching the movie through the lens of, like, okay, this is really, like, an eating disorder. Like, this is all in her mind. But I'm like, so right. how, did, how did it end up, like, in the end? Like, what happened to her if this is just all in her mind? I think that so for everyone listening, okay. uh, basically throughout the film, you'll notice or maybe you didn't notice. But now that I mention it, you'll notice that uh, Christine Brown character doesn't eat. The film starts with uh, her doing a self-help tape. She's trying to lose her accent. She's trying to be more acclimated, possibly to impress her boyfriend's parents. Um, but when she gets to where she's going, you notice her stop in a bake shop window and she's kind of tortured by like, I want it, but I'm not going to get it. Uh, later you see her bake the hummingbird cake, but you never see her actually eat dinner at the dinner scene with the hummingbird cake. You never see her eat and you see her struggle with the piece of cake. It's a representation of Miss Ganache or Ganesh, whatever Miss G. And, yeah. uh, you just see her fight with it. And that, those are types of things that people with eating disorders do. They kind of play with their food instead of eating to make people think that you were eating. Um, as well as Mrs. G herself, uh, her face, her nails, her overall um, saliva problems are all mm. things that are uh, systemic with eating disorders or, you know, side effects, I guess you would call them, or I'm going to call them side effects. Mm-hmm. Uh so anyway, to answer your question, at the end, there is no clear answer if she is lucid or not. But okay. her falling off the ledge and falling into hell or losing her battle against whatever eating disorder she has, I would say is more like a representation of being pushed to the edge. Okay. And she literally fell over the edge. Uh, mostly because Justin Long was fucking gaslighting her for most of the film. Oh yeah, in my opinion, uh, on 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 the cover, right? It seems like they have a great relationship. It's cute. Um, they're there for each other, 
However, one thing that never set right with me, and in reference to what you were just asking, Justin Long and her end up switching envelopes. And for whatever reason, he's not aware of the envelope. However, this is my theory. Justin Long made a deal with the devil for his success, and he had to offer up a sacrifice. And so he was just enough to make her think he believed like he paid when they went to the medium the first time, even though he was completely against it. But I think that that was more of the gaslighting and or not creating a paper trail. He could have gone to a medium, but he didn't want anyone to know about her whereabouts. She's missing tons of times from work. Uh, all the scenes end up with him being with her. So he's kind of coursing her through this whole thing. And then, you know, the nail in the coffin is he couldn't tell that she had the wrong envelope until the next day. But even though he was aware she had the wrong envelope, he never called her or tried to get it to her before sunrise. Or he didn't freak out the next day when he realized he had it. Like, he knows she should be dead. He knows what has happened. So I think he was in on it the whole time. I'm here to take it to the next level. You ready? Yes. This is not the first time he's done this. Because remember at the dinner scene, the mom. Okay. The mom was having the conversation. I guess she kind of like decided that she wasn't going to be big mama cat. Like, you know, she put her little chest back. Um, when the girl, when um, Christine, the girl, Christine opened up about um, her mom's battle with alcoholism um, and why she doesn't have a relationship, a relationship with her mom right now. Um, and the mom, and the mom, uh, what's the same? What's, what's the boyfriend? Clay. Clay's um, mother is like, you know, I understand. This girl's got some moxie, da, 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 da. And then proceeds to drag the former girlfriend, which was wildly inappropriate outside the fact that this dinner was too fucking stuffy. These people are terrible, girl. You should have left. Um, and proceeds to drag the previous girlfriend because Clay found her on the internet and was like, she was just terrible. And then what happened to her? And he's like, it doesn't matter. So now I'm thinking, right? Mm-hmm. He gets rid of the women in multiple ways. This time, he just so happens that we know of that he just so happens to be um, dabbling around, or the girl's dabbling around with the dark arts, and he's involved some way, shape, or form with her. But, you know, maybe he's slashing them up. I don't know, but I'm excited, because maybe every girl that he dates, they go missing, and the parents unknowingly just think that he just can't settle down um, and know he's sold his soul to the devil to get the coin. And this is just what he does. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, everything about the conversation... Especially that he didn't want to be like, oh, I met her on the internet and have that be a thing. But it's like the perfect, who's dating people on the internet in 2008? Like, that ain't a thing. Match.com may have been around, but he wasn't looking for love. No. But as you saw in the beginning of the film, he did just get uh, the job as a professor. Uh, So maybe his negotiation for Christine was a coin. Maybe the next girlfriend will be for tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think that part of his gaslighting is because he's an asshole, but because he's made a deal with the devil. I see it. He's, he was a dick. He was not supportive. Like, he was kind of just like, he, yeah, no, because I'm going to go, he was supportive with an asterisk. Like, he was supported. He, mm-mm. <clears throat> he just tossed her the money just because, and then disguised it as, um, you know, if, I don't really believe in this, but this is something you believe in. So I want to like believe in it. I'm like, wait, what kind of fucking conversation is this? I agree because, because <laughs> uh, to a bigger sin, he was bitching about paying, uh, what? $60 for the medium to begin with. And then in the end, he comes through with 10 grand. Oh, cash? I was upset. First of all, people, we can have that kind of conversation the other day. But I was very upset, because, especially when I loved that the first medium was like, I mean, do you not want the service? Because right. if you don't want, you, you're like, I don't understand. Like, and I, too, I was sitting there, I was like, I don't understand. And he was like, ooh, I thought y'all didn't charge that much. Ooh, take your, your broke ass on. Get the fuck on. Like, uh, excuse me. Open your purse and pay these people. 
And you, you was real dirty in the car later because Clay tried to drag. What was his name? I keep forgetting baby girl name. Rom. Rom Jazz tried to drag oh, him yeah. in the car on some like, oh well, um, you know, well he he uh, he he kept the money though. Like he didn't give us. First of all, sir, did you did you really want the money back? Like, why are you being so cheap? Why are you so gross? But then I figured maybe my whole time, my the whole time watching this movie, I was just like, maybe it's just his privilege. Like, he's just real privileged. This is this is a privileged white man. This doesn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, it furthermore could back like his mindset of his parents have make problems disappear his whole life. So him yeah. gaining more power to make other things disappear is nothing new to him. Yeah. I just uh I, he's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you really look at it, he he definitely is. Um, but also kind of felt that way about Christine. Like, she has multiple opportunities throughout the film to make good choices. And she definitely doesn't always. She does the borderline, not even anti-hero, like, making the best decision out of a shitty situation. She's having a clear thing of, I can do right, or I'm just going to toe the line of not doing right at all. Yeah, I agree. I think ultimately that's why she gets taken to hell. Yeah, and here's the thing. I definitely think she should have got punished. I just think that getting dragged to hell was just like really a lot. Like, damn. Although she was wilding. Like, Christina's not a nice person. No. I mean, at the end of the day, she's not really. I I mean, well, okay. Is it ugly that I... um, I would have definitely gave the button to the coworker. No. <laughs> I was like, girl, why would you not? I mean, it didn't matter because it was just a quarter or whatever the coin was supposed to be. But yeah, he fucking deserved it. Bye. Stu, was that his name? Or Reggie? His name was Stu. Stu, okay. Stu yeah, Stu was um Stu was just trash and then tried to steal the file. Just terrible. Yeah, but then he didn't even have the goal to, like, go to the other company. Like, you sold your company out and you stayed at the job you're at? Like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, he just has no, no backbone. It, no, but you know. Everybody got that commandments. He didn't get the upgrade, you know, just... Mm, mm-mm. <sighs> well, well, this went better than expected. Um, Great. I'm going... <laughs> Uh, rounding out this show, I had to ask, you are being given, let's say Blumhouse budget of $9 million to okay. produce another installment of Drag Me to Hell. <clears throat> Which direction would you take it? Would you do a prequel, sequel? Um, course correction is kind of trending right now, but I don't think you can because there's only one film. But it's up to you. Your money. How are you spending it? I would do a sequel and then I would pull you into it and then use your idea when we all expose Clay to be the shiestiest shitball that he is. And then we have some sort of fun ending, but we can't give him too much because we got to keep the money to ourselves and the ideas to you, to yourself, um, in case somebody hears this and tries to take it. That's all I got. You know, you said Clay and sequel, and my mind just started running. Um, logically, it makes the most sense for a sequel because Christine is dead. Yeah. I, I do have one small theory. Okay. <laughs> I will share with you when we finish. Okay. Because uh, the hamster wheels are turning already. That is an excellent idea. I like that. I think it's long overdue. I, I always thought it would get a sequel eventually i know sam raimi's been offered all types of projects since uh i forgot 08 09 mm-hmm. so understandably busy and trying to get paid i you know evil dead video games coming out the spider-man franchise that he directed is being revived yep and i'm sure he has other projects he was doing before this so who knows when he'll get a chance to direct again. Plus, you know, the Corona Man has been looming all over Hollywood and in America and the UK and the world. You know, they just need to shut it down. 
<laughs> they just need to shut it down. They need to shut it down and just lock us all up for a little while. And then, you know, I don't know. I'm also not a scientist, so I don't really know where we go from there. And that, you know, it take my idea to a certain point and then insert the scientists so they could just handle it from there. Honestly, I would not be mad at another shutdown because I, I, I moved here, I don't know, nine, ten months before the shutdown happened. Wow. But I had not really moved into my place. <laughs> like, I wow. still had boxes not unpacked. And, um, you know, I guess it's been about 10 months now of it. And everything's unpacked. I've bought a plethora of furniture, indoor and outdoor. Oh. And my fridge pretty much stays relatively stocked. Yes. Okay. Yes. We love so- that. I guess I'm a better person just because I am forced to spend more time in the house. Which I may have so not excited. happened. No. No, I'm excited and I'm jealous. I'm living through you. I mean, I have all the so I just I have to go outside. So that's the part where I'm sad. But um that is wonderful. That is amazing. Yeah, for now, until you know the doors open again and then I'll never see this apartment again. <laughs> well, you got to enjoy it while you got it. And then, you know, maybe when you come back, it'll just feel like a baby vacation or a nice little reset. Uh, that is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am definitely, whenever everything's all said and done, going to make the use out of my fucking passport. I've never felt like um, I needed to experience life more than now than ever, I guess. But mm-hmm. not any different from anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm getting away from myself. Uh, Kat, you want to tell people where they can find you, upcoming projects you want to promote uh, that are not time sensitive, I guess. Oh, um, well, you could find me in my wonderful other half, uh, Jazz, the 40 ass kind of source, because she's so amazing. Um, you can find us on our website, which is www.girlthatscary.com, and all on the little social machines, which is Instagram and Twitter, because, you know, um, and that's at Girl That's Scary. Um, and We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. If you are into supporting people, which you should, um, and opening your purse for fun people and also black creatives. Um, so, you know, kill the dead and everybody else to open it, open your fucking purse. Um, but yes, with hearts next to it, pull up on our Patreon, which is basically patreon.com forward slash girl that's scary. And we're going to have like lots of fun, different content there. And we're also going to have lots of fun content for everybody else. And we got a lot of shit coming. So that's all I got. I'm so excited. Well, thank you for joining me for the past hour or so. And um, I will leave all your connections in the show notes for you guys listening at home. That's it. I appreciate this. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be here.